Hello, everyone, and welcome to our 10-minute history podcast for kids, where I, Monica Michelle, do my best to tell you something about history I'm betting you have never heard about in history class. Every episode, I'm going to sneak in one wrong fact. If you are the first person to go to www.owlentwine.com and message me the correct fact, I will read your name on the next episode. Start your timers and let's see how much we can cover in 10 minutes. Okay, this is an episode I've been so excited to do. We're going to be talking about Beatrix Potter. I hope you've heard of her. If you haven't, I really encourage you to look her up. There's so much that I learned about Beatrix as I did my research. And she's one of my favorite writers, illustrators, and scientists. Now, Beatrix Potter was a very lucky young person. She was fortunate enough to be raised in a very financially stable, if not wealthy, family. And a father who was artistic, but also really encouraged his daughter's imagination and her own artistic interests. Her father was also very good at business and made a lot of money in the stock market. Now, at this time in the late Victorian era, it was pretty common for a child of Beatrix's financial standing to be mostly raised at home and educated at home. She did not go to school. She was educated by her governesses. And one of the three governesses in her life made a big difference. And her name was Annie Moore. And they remained lifelong friends. And Beatrix would give Annie's eight children drawings and these little stories that she would make. And it was Annie who ended up encouraging Beatrix to make these letters into books, and especially some of her letters to Annie's oldest son, Noel, who was chronically ill. Growing up was a little lonely for Beatrix. As I said, she did not go to school, but she did have a little brother named Walter and parents who were understanding enough to allow what was pretty much a zoo in their house of small animals. Some of their pets were mice, rabbits, and hedgehogs. And quite a few others. Um, please look it up. It's it's actually pretty darling. And you'll see how some of her later illustrations, where she got her models from. Now, Beatrix kept a diary from the time she was 14. And she kept it in a code, which I thought was fantastic. And it's a code she made herself. This journal was critical in forming all of her thoughts and stories. The book was full of sketches and words. I cannot recommend enough always keeping a journal on you of all the episodes I've done. You'll notice almost every creative person keeps a sketchbook or journal on hand just to get all of their thoughts out during the day. Now, being a child of the Victorian era, Beatrix was fascinated by all of the natural sciences from fossils to insects and a special interest in botany, which is the study of plants. When Beatrix met the famed Charles McIntosh, her skills and fascinations in illustration and the study of the natural world vastly improved. She developed fascinating and original theories in the field of botany, especially in fungus like mushrooms. Though she was denied further opportunities to study, mostly due to her gender, she did end up writing and publishing a paper on the germinations of spores um, that she tried to get, that she did get published, I'm so sorry, in the Linnaean Society in 1897. The famous botanist George Mansey from the Kew Gardens had to introduce it. Since it was a scientific paper written by a woman, it would not have carried the same weight and it needed to be taken seriously and he signed up for it and presented it. These papers and drawings are still used today in research and identify forms of 
fungus. In 1997, the Linnaean Society issued a posthumous, that means after death, apology to Potter for the sexism that displayed in handling the research. So basically, they said, we're so sorry, we should have listened to you, and we're still using your research even to this day. Just a little side note, I will put some pictures in the show notes. If you head over to allentwine.com and go over to the podcast page, please do. I'm going to put some of her illustrations of fungus in there and mushrooms and some of the things you might not think of when you think of a Beatrix Potter illustration, but they are nonetheless absolutely beautiful. As a young teenager, Beatrix Potter was lucky enough to live in one of my ideal locations. Uh, She lived right near the Royal Academy of London, which she took full advantage of by studying painting. In the 1890s, she and her brother began a small business designing and printing cards for the holidays. Their success ended up really pushing her to publish some of her own books of illustrated tales. Now, this is where we're going to go back to Beatrix's old governess. And we had talked about her governess's son, Noel, who is her governess's oldest child. One of her letters to him really changes the course of Beatrix's life. To entertain the young man, she wrote him a story of four little rabbits. And let's see if you remember their names. Okay, if you don't, their names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. So by the 1900s, she had edited the story and created a prototype, but was unable to get publishers interested in it. So she published it herself. During this time, children's books began to gain popularity. You might remember some books like, oh, Peter Pan or Alice in Wonderland. And children's books began to take on an actual level of success. The publishing houses started to pay attention and they picked up the rest of her stories. For many years, she published two to three books a year. By the 1930s, Beatrix's interests had turned towards the land of her beloved Lakes District. The sales of her books gave her something very few people had, financial independence. She was a brilliant businesswoman and cleverly merchandised all of her characters. And merchandise means that you, even at that time, could buy things with Benjamin Bunny on it and dolls and toys. And this really gave her a tremendous level of independence to focus on her next passion. And this came at a really important time. She had a very deep personal tragedy. And in her grieving, Beatrix threw all of her energies at building up a newly purchased farm and really farming the land. And she was very interested in how to farm the land in the old ways. Now, one of her farms is still in working order and can be visited. It's called Castle Farm. She also became very famous for the wick sheep and giraffes that she bred and raised on her farm. Now, during this time, a lot of factories were being built, and she was very concerned at what would happen to all of the agricultural land in the Lakes District, and she began buying up all of the farms that were going out of business. Now, Beatrix worked very closely with the National Trust to keep grazing and pasture lands open. She had a passion for preservation of craft and farming of the lakeland, as well as building methods. She was a great patron of the Girl Guides, and if you're here in the U.S., that'd be very close to the Girl Scouts. And she donated a lot of money to the organization and hosted their campouts on her land. Beatrix Potter left a legacy not just in literature, not just in children's literature, not just in art or in botany, but she literally changed 
the shape and face of England's Lake District. Thank you so much for listening. Did you get that wrong fact? Head over to www.owlentwine.com and let me know. 10-Minute History Podcast is brand new and we're relying on your help to make it grow. If you enjoyed, please share with friends, family, and school. If you have a suggestion for new topics, please send me a message from the Owl and Twine website. To quote one of my favorite podcasts, if you enjoy, please rate and review. That's one of the nicest things you can do for us. Thank you. Have a great month and we'll be back next month with a new topic.